It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Good Thursday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Locked on Wolves. Coming off a big Timberwolves win in Lincoln, Nebraska last night over the Denver Nuggets, winning handily 105-88, to the final score. So glad you're along with us. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Thank you for following on Twitter, at Wolves Radio, and at Locked on Wolves. My name's Alan Horton. Thanks again so much for tuning in. Hope your week is off to a good start. We're heading towards the weekend, and we've got the Wolves sitting at 2-1 and one in the preseason and a couple of more games to go this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. They'll take on the Miami Heat in Louisville, Kentucky. Then back to the Central Time Zone where they'll take on the Oklahoma City Thunder in OKC. And then coming up next week, we've got a busy week at Target Center. couple of home games. We've got a Tuesday night open scrimmage which you need to get tickets to they're free but go to timberwolves.com and you can get your tickets for that event that's an open scrimmage on tuesday night and there's a chance there's a chance we could fill out the week by having a thursday game five of the WNBA finals what a week that would be tuesday wednesday thursday friday all events at target center possibly uh coming up on the podcast today we'll break down uh, that victory last night and we'll talk a little bit about the starters imposing their will on the game i thought the starters really took control of things in that third quarter the three-point edge is it starting to turn in the wolves favor after years of uh getting outscored at the three-point line don't look now but the wolves actually shooting the three well defending it well and they're winning the three-point battle through the first three preseason games. And right along those lines, the defense, that is developing. That defensive mindset is starting to take effect. And don't look now, and it's only three preseason games, and they are exhibitions, but the Wolves with a top-ten defense. And that leads me into our final point, something that Tom Haberstroh brought up that I wanted to talk to him about, realistic expectations for this Timberwolves defense and he thinks it can be a top 10 defense, and I'll tell you why that is extremely good news. I'll give you the percentage of teams that make the postseason, finishing in the top 15, the top 10, and the top 5, if you finish in those areas in defensive ratings. So that's all coming up on the podcast today. Speaking of podcasts, we got to let you know about Locked On Vikings, all the latest from Sam Ekstrom and Sage Rosenfels, the only undefeated team in the NFL. They are the talk of the league. They're the talk of the town right now. Locked on Vikings. Look them up. Give them a follow. Give them a listen. To basketball, it's Locked on NBA. That's where you want to get the latest from David Locke, the play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz. He recently had Zach Harper on, Kevin Pelton on. Great discussions there. Great insight into the game. And right now he's got his Eastern Conference preview up and available for you. So check that out. It's Locked on NBA. We mentioned the Lynx could possibly have a Game 5 if it goes that far. Uh, Lynx with a monster win a couple of nights ago, winning Game 2 and tying that series at a game apiece. Uh, game 3 is until Friday night, so tomorrow night at the Staples Center against the Sparks. That'll be 8 o'clock Central 
And that game is on ESPN2. Of course, uh, our guy John Fokey, you can follow him at JW Fokey, F-O-C-K-E, has got the call on Bob 106 FM and all across the Minnesota Lynx radio network. With all the Lynx success over the last, oh, let's see, now six years, we've been able to develop that Lynx radio network. A lot of the same affiliates that carry Timberwolves basketball. Uh, it's been spreading like wildfire. While the rest of the league has just abandoned radio broadcasts and, and, and broadcasting in general, uh, the Lynx have just, we've been able to grow that thing into a beast compared to everybody else. There's only one other team in the league that even carries their games on radio. So give John a follow at JW Fokey and check out the game Friday night against the Sparks. And it's very similar to where the Lynx were last year against Indiana in the finals. They had the home court advantage, but they got upended in game one. But they came back to win the series in five. Uh, we'll see if they can do it in either four or five. Hey, we'll take, uh, we'll take whatever we can get as they look for their fourth title in the last six seasons. All right, big win last night, 105-88. Three players led the way with 18 points. Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, Shabazz Muhammad. They all had 18. Six in total were in double figures. And uh, this marked the first game of the preseason. The Wolves' offense shot over 40%. They hit 42% of their shots uh, last night. So that was a good sign. And... And that leads me into our first topic, talking about the Wolves starters starting to assert their will on the game. You know, Denver played this game without Danilo Gallinari, no Will Barton, no Gary Harris, no Emmanuel Moutier, and no Yusuf Nurkic, the, the big man. Um, so the Wolves starters really had a chance, I thought, to assert themselves. And it took a little while for them to get going. You look at the starters to start the game, it's the usual five of Rubio, Levine, Wiggins, Jang, and Towns. In that first quarter stint, they, they were five of 14 shooting, three turnovers. They were 10 of 14 at the free throw line. The starters did a really good job, while not shooting the ball well, keeping the team in the game by getting the free throw line. Um, and that first quarter was kind of up and down. Denver was up uh, with a seven-point lead. The Wolves cu- cut back into it, took a three-point lead, but then Denver pushed it back up to five. And then by the end of the first quarter, the Wolves had cut into it again to get it even after one quarter. So a little bit of a slow start for the starters in that first quarter stint. But they came back in, and their their plus-minus was all uh, in the range of a couple of the guys were plus two, one a plus three, and then there was a minus two and a minus two. So really not overall the five guys were right around uh, maybe averaged out to probably a plus one. Their second quarter stint when they came back in to finish the first half, they were all plus eights or plus nines. That group really started to get it going. Even though they only shot 3 of 10, uh, they only turned it over once during that span, and they were 11 of 12 at the free throw line. And that's something that the Wolves really took advantage of, especially in that first half, because they did not shoot the ball well 32%, but they got to the free throw line 31 times. I mean, that that really kept them in the game and really was the reason uh, that they had a four-point lead at the half. But that leads us to the third quarter, and that's where the Wolves starters, during their third quarter stint, which covered almost all of the third quarter. A couple of the guys played 12 minutes there. Um, the, a couple others only played 10. But for the most part, it was the starters owning the third quarter. And that's where that's where they started to assert their, themselves over a shorthanded Denver team um, in that third quarter. Uh, they hit 10 of 22 shots. They were 4 of 5 at the free throw line. But, you know, they didn't get the free throw line as much because they were knocking down some shots. Uh, they did have three turnovers, but their defense was much better. And as a result, all the guys were a plus 12 or a plus 13. So when you look at the plus minus for those three stints you know the first quarter it was right at zero plus one that second stint it was plus eight or plus nine for the guys and that third stint which was a backbreaker for the nuggets that was a plus 12 plus 13 the league got up to 19 and the the game was essentially over 
All right, another thing that stood out from last night, three-point shooting. How about the Wolves last night? Nine of 19, a hefty 47%. So even though they only shot about 42%, um, you factor in those threes that they knocked down, um, and they ended up shooting closer to 47% on their effective field goal percentage. So uh, nine of 19 was impressive. Uh, They spread it around as they usually do. Brandon Rush connected, Belly connected, Boz hit. Um, it, It was really spread around nicely. And it's the second time in three games in this preseason that the Wolves had the advantage at the three-point line. They were plus two in three-pointers made against Miami, and then they were plus six last night. So that's an 18-point advantage over the Nuggets, and, and the Wolves know all about you know, having that deficit on the other end and how tough it is to come back from that. Um, and that was the case for the Nuggets last night. So for the second time in three games, Minnesota a positive at the three-point line. And now we've kind of got a it's still a small sample size and yes there's the caveat that it's it's preseason. Um so you take that into account, but we've got a little bit we've got three games now uh, of data to kind of go through and uh, you look at the three-point shooting for the Wolves after three games and they're 26 for 68. That's 38%. So that's above league average. League average is 35%. Um and we know the Wolves have struggled you know, not only taking threes, but making threes. I mean, they've just, they've been the bottom 10 for five straight years in three-point percentage. It's really been a struggle. Um, So they're shooting it well, 38%, and they're averaging almost nine made threes per game. Do you remember where we were last year? 5.5 made threes per game. That ranked 29th in the league. Only Milwaukee at 5.4 was less. So the Wolves have jumped from five and a half to nine made threes a game. And then when you take into account what they're holding their opponents to, um, that just enhances the numbers. Opponents are only shooting 29% against the Wolves from beyond the arc. And that's even with the Charlotte Hornets earlier this week uh, putting up some big second-half numbers from beyond the arc and putting up 36 attempts. Um, The attempts were down last night. I think uh, Tom Thibodeau would be very pleased with the the, the defense he saw at the three-point line. They defended it much better. So through three games... Opponents are shooting 29% and averaging less than just less than eight per game. So basically, the Timberwolves are a plus one per game at the three-point line. That's after being a minus 3.5 a year ago and minus 3.6 the year before. Two of the six worst um, three-point differential marks in NBA history. Not just in the last 5, 10, 15 years. Um, you're going back to the implementation of the three-point line. Uh, back in the in 1980. So that's a big swing right now, and again, a small sample size, but certainly encouraging that the Wolves are you know, starting to knock down some of their three-point shots. I mentioned Belly. Um, it, he he hit, connected on a couple of threes. You know what I love? I saw a play in the fourth quarter, and I caught, I caught good portions of the game here and there, uh, but I did not sit down and watch the entire thing. Um, in the fourth quarter, there was one play where Belly took a handoff from Cole Aldrich, and, you know, I loved where the play was set up because it was at the top of the key. And, you know, those guys are so big that when you take a handoff from Cole Aldrich and Belly has is, is got good size, he's already behind the arc. And he just took the ball and didn't hesitate and fired away. And what have we talked about um, early on in these podcasts uh, when we first started in the week of training camp um, and last year repeatedly on the broadcast? Be shot ready. You have to be shot ready in this league. You can't pass up threes. Tom Thibodeau doesn't want to see him pass up threes. You got to be aggressive. Uh, you got a little window to fire off a three. You do it. And Belly, I think, is starting to develop that a little bit. There was a clip from the from the Miami game, the first preseason game, where where Cat kind of 
you know, was at the free throw line and backing off a couple of defenders, and he kind of shuffled it to Bell, and he was kind of motioning for him to shoot the three. Shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. Finally, he did and knocked it down. Um, so it's still not innate in Belly to be aggressive, but I, I, certainly on that play that I had seen, he was extremely aggressive. He was shot ready, and he knocked it down. And the guy can knock down those shots, and that's why I think Tom Thibodeau sees that in him. And um, that's why he's talked about Belly being a big part of this team going forward. So good signs from the three-point shooting and good signs from the Timberwolves defense. I thought they bounced back nicely from a rather poor defensive effort over the final two and a half quarters against the Hornets. You know, you, you go quarter by quarter against the Nuggets last night, and the Wolves gave up 26 points on 47% shooting in that opening quarter. They gave up 22 in the second on 38% shooting. You go to the third quarter, the dominant quarter, they held Denver to 16 points on 37% shooting. Uh, The other thing that pretty much helped out was Denver turning it over 21 times through three quarters. 21 times through three quarters. They had eight turns in the first, seven in the second, six in the third, uh, heading in the right direction, but still way too high. 21 turnovers, and the Wolves did a nice job forcing a lot of those. Um, Denver helped themselves uh, or helped the Wolves in that area as well, but it's as it usually is, it's a combination of, of uh, pressure and good defense and the other team making some mistakes. But you, you force, you know, just because something's on Denver doesn't mean it wasn't, you know, the way the Wolves can play. You can force those mistakes. You may not get credit for a steal, but if you're putting pressure on, if you're doing the right things, you're going to make the other team hesitate. You're going to make them think. You're going to make them um, take a little extra time to get things done. It's just it all plays into being a good defensive team. And, again, we're only three games into the preseason, so I want to keep throwing that out there, not to get too excited by some of these numbers. But the Wolves' defensive rating through three games, they're giving up 93 points per 100 possessions. And when you look at the preseason rankings on NBA.com, you'll see that that is just outside the top five. That's sixth in the league in defensive rating. So I think we're starting to see, you know, with tonight's game, that was encouraging that they got back to playing some of the defense that we saw in that opener against the Miami Heat. I thought that was a dominant second half against the Heat. Um, there was some slippage in that Hornets game, and now I think they got back to doing uh, what Tom Thibodeau would like to see them do. And I think the other area that really helped, and he mentioned this after the Charlotte loss, that he may have disrupted the rhythm a little bit by trying to get too many guys involved early on. Um, We saw more guys involved tonight, but that was all with the final three or four minutes of the game going deep onto the bench. But for the most part, when this game was in the balance, he only went 10 deep. The two units, the five starters, the five guys off the bench, and that seemed to make a big difference tonight. All right, speaking of defense, I want to thank everybody for all the nice comments about the uh, podcast yesterday, uh, which included an interview with Tom Haberstra, who I just, uh, I've, I've met him a couple of times now, just a great individual. I really enjoy talking basketball with him, and I, I love um, a, a, a lot of the guys at ESPN that, that um come around you kind of pick their brain a little bit brian winhorst kevin arnovitz um and tom of course uh giving you some really good insight and a really good discussion i think on the impact tom thibodeau can have on this team and one of the things we talked about which i wanted to expand upon a little bit more was where what's what's realistic we know thibodeau's track record um defensively with the chicago bulls defensively when he was in houston and chicago and new york uh, and Boston, I forgot about the Celtics in there, but we we know that Tibbs's defense were top five in Chicago for the five years, and that the one year he wasn't in the top five, that was his last season when there was all that pressure for Chicago to develop offensively. They had gone uh, a couple of years in a row 
where they were 28th in offensive rating and 24th in offensive rating. And there was really pressure for him to kind of, you know, it was it was too ugly an offense. They, it had to be some more balance. And so what did he do? He, he coached up the offense and got them to 10th in offensive rating um, in that 14-15 season. He was 11th in defensive rating. So, you know, while the four out of five years is obviously impressive to be in the top five, uh, maybe his best coaching came in that final year when he had the he had more of the balance there. There may have been one other year in there that they were really good inside the top ten in both. But um, that balance of having eleventh ranked defense and tenth ranked offense that was that was the one year he didn't get in the top five. So you get the feeling that had he still gone about things the way he had before in the first four years, he probably would have had that team as a top five defense. But regardless, so four out of the five years in Chicago top five defense uh 14 of the last 19 years Tibbs has had a top five defense it's incredible his time in Chicago his time in Houston before that I'm sorry Boston before that Houston before that and his time with Jeff Van Gundy in New York before that 14 of the last 19 years his teams have been in the top five that's incredible so when I asked Tom about that that this is what I keep coming back to I you know I, I want to pump the brakes a little bit about thinking that the Wolves can be a top-five defense, but then I look at the track record that Tibbs has had in the stops he's had with the different talent he's had, and he's always had success on the defensive end of the floor. So my question was, you know, where could where's a realistic for this Wolves team that has finished 27th and 30th the previous two years? What's realistic? What what can they jump up to? I, 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 think, I think jumping into the top-five uh, while would be, fantastic and i would take it every day of the week and twice on sunday that might be a little unrealistic um i'll leave that door open but i I think top five is is tough to say that this team could make that kind of a jump top 10 top 15 and i think tom said it best he's like yeah i think they can be a top 10 defense and maybe an outside shot at at a top five defense i mean that's how much of an impact Thibodeau can have and his point was that it's not so much the individuals that make up the defense but schematically um, and philosophically, it's the unit. And, and and you look at Chicago, and they, they didn't have the greatest of defenders. I mean, Carlos Boozer. I mean, Thibodeau got Carlos Boozer, who is a horrific defensive player. Maybe not horrific. That might be a little strong for the Jazz fans out there. But, um, you know, they weren't loaded with defensive players, but they developed and played good team defense, and the, he made it work. Thibodeau made it work with that group. Um, so, and here's why it's important. I, I really think, you know, when you look at the numbers, it, being a good defensive team tells you a lot about where you're going to finish up at the end of the year. So let's go through this. A top five, a, a top 15 defensive team. Last year, 12 of the 15 top defenses made the postseason. And over the last five years, 84% of the teams that finished in the top 15 made the playoffs. So 84%. So if you can be top half in the league in defense, you got an 84% chance of making the postseason. You're going to give yourself a great opportunity. And I, and I think the Wolves fans would take that right now. And to jump from 27th to the top 15, yeah, I'd take that. And I expect that. I, I just don't think there's a way the Wolves are not a top 15 team. If you're a top 10 defensive team, last year nine of those 10 teams made the postseason. Over the last 10 years, 93% of those teams ended up in the playoffs. So you've really taken another step. You've almost gone 10% higher chance of making the playoffs um, if you jump into that top 10. And if you can get into the top five, that's nearly a guarantee 
Five of the top five teams last year all made it. Over the last 10 years, 98% of the teams reached the playoffs. There was only one team. So 49 out of the 50 teams that were in the top five of defensive rating made the postseason. And the one team that didn't was the Milwaukee Bucks of the 2010-2011 season. Um, I don't know if you remember that one. Most people don't since it was a forgettable season. Uh, they had the fourth-ranked defense that year. That was uh, that must have been a Scott Skiles team. So they had the f- top four defense, but their offense was dead last in the NBA. If they had any semblance of an offense that year, um, they would have made the postseason. So it really gives you an idea. Um, you know, We know the Wolves' offense is not going to be dead last. There's just there's just no way, uh, unless decimated by injuries, knock on wood, uh, that's not happening. So if you have any semblance of offense and you get in the top five, you're nearly guaranteed to end up in the playoffs, which is, you know, for the Wolves, that's what this is about at this point. You know, we're not, you know, let's not take the next step to getting to conference finals and, and winning multiple series and getting to the finals and winning a title. Uh, that's not going to happen right away. Um, the goal is postseason and putting end to that 12-year drought. And these numbers are really encouraging. That's why I, as much as I want to pump the brakes on uh, and, and take it slowly about projecting this team um, to have t- success and get in the postseason, the numbers just keep dragging me back to saying, I, I think this team is going to end up in the postseason. Um, you're gonna have, if you have defensive success, you're going to end up where you want to be. And man, that just gets me pumped up just thinking about those numbers. All right, that's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Wolves. We'll talk to you again tomorrow morning. I think tomorrow we'll kind of touch on um, not only at the broadcast meetings a couple of weeks ago, but also in Charlotte earlier this week, uh, Bob Delaney, a retired official, 25 years in the league, uh, former New Jersey State Trooper as well, by the way. Um, he held um, not only did he and Kenny Maurer and a number of other uh, former referees talk at the broadcast meetings talking about the points of education. You may remember this as points of emphasis. They have changed it to points of education um, and what they're kind of looking for. They want people to be on the lookout for as we approach this upcoming season. Um, and, and Bob Delaney is just a terrific speaker. And we got some time. We spent about 45 minutes with him in Charlotte before the game. It was just me uh, representing the Wolves. And uh, let's see, Matt Carroll was there. Del, uh, not Del Demps. Uh, Del Curry was there. Uh, Eric Collins, the play-by-play voice on television. And Steve Martin the uh, radio play-by-play voice of the Hornets. So it was just a small group of us and went over the points of education and got a chance to sit down with him a little bit and just talk um, talk refereeing and talk uh, different scenarios and that kind of thing. Really cool stuff. Um, and so I want to pass along some of that and how the, uh, how the NBA is kind of really going full bore to educate fans, educate coaches, improve referee-coach relations, referee broadcaster relations and referee fan and the fan perspective and the the image that referees have it's really kind of cool what they're trying to do um, and I think they've made a lot of success and they're gonna they're tweaking instant replay they're trying to get it quicker they're trying to get it faster they want to get in and out of timeouts better they want to they want to help it's, it's it all seems that Adam Silver has kind of taken everybody under his wings and and is trying to push this product in the right direction. It's not just one group. It's not just the players. It's not just the owners. It's not the front offices, the referees, broadcasting. It's all together, and it's uh, it's really pretty cool. It makes you feel uh, pretty good about working for an organization like the NBA that I think is headed in the right direction, has great leadership, 
um, and is doing the right things, especially when you look at some other leagues and you just kind of shake your head at some of the leadership decisions, some of the uh, punishments they put out, how they deal with their players, all those type of things. I think the NBA has is, uh, is really put themselves head and shoulders above the other professional leagues out there. So that's coming up on tomorrow's show. Have yourself a great Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been another edition of Locked On Wolves, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.